Take out your Bibles tonight to the book of Mark, chapter 11. You know, I wasn't sure what I was going to preach on, and this thought came to me around Thanksgiving, and I'm just going to preface this message by saying it had nothing to do with uh, anything that happened on Thanksgiving, just in case any of you are wondering, but uh, amen. I just couldn't get this thought, get away from this thought. I thought I might preach something else, but the Lord just really laid this on my heart tonight. Mark chapter 11, we're going to read verses 25 and 26. The Bible says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now turn to Matthew chapter 18. Gospel of Matthew chapter 18. We're going to read verses 21 through 35. The Bible says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down on his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all thy, that debt, because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Now one more verse in Ephesians, two verses rather, chapter 4. Ephesians 4, verses 31 through 32. The Bible says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Amen. My simple thought tonight, and I don't think we're going to be very long, but a simple thought, forgiveness, the divine antidote for bitterness. Forgiveness, the divine antidote for bitterness. Amen. Brother Preston, I want you to stand, brother, and pray for the anointing of God's Spirit. Amen. You know, there's never been perhaps a greater opportunity for you and me 
to become offended, amen, towards individuals in our society today, um, in our everyday life, in the people that we labor with, on the street, wherever it may be, there is great opportunity to become bitter towards individuals today. I mean, the resentment and hatred in our culture is at a high watermark. And I don't recommend that you watch the news. I recommend you don't watch the news. But if you did watch the news, that's what you would see. A lot of people hating one another. You know, I believe this bitterness has always been present, but I believe it's on the rise right now. I believe the love of many is waxing cold. Love for God and love for one another. Amen. I believe that's where we're at in our society and our culture. But as Christians, we are morally obligated to rise above this disturbing trend. Amen. We're not allowed to hold bitterness in our hearts. Amen. As Christians. Now, love is not the absence of hatred. Amen. If I have love for God, I must hate what God hates. Amen. You cannot have love without having hatred. But as a Christian, I cannot be personally offended. I cannot be bitter in my heart. I cannot hold a personal grudge and yet be right with God. Doesn't matter if it's somebody in the church or if it's somebody on the street or somebody on the job or somebody in my family. It doesn't matter, amen. I'm obligated to walk in love. God commands us to forgive. Therefore, it is reasonable that we do so. It is right that we do so. You hear people today, they say, well, I can't, I can't forgive that. No, you can, you just won't. You know, I was at L.A. Lawn one time years ago. Amen. Not just one time, many times. Amen. A long time seemed like at the time. But when I was there, I was working with a young man one day, and we were discussing something that was taking place at work. And, you know, he was expressing his frustration to me, and I could somewhat relate to some of what he was talking about. But nonetheless, he was telling me, he said, I'm not going to forgive a certain individual. And I looked at him, and I said, you have to forgive that person. You have to forgive them. You can't be a Christian. No, I can't forgive them. It's unthinkable. And I was, I was flabbergasted. How can you call yourself a Christian and not forgive someone? You can't. You can't. You can't. Amen? So tonight we're, gonna, we're going to describe the problem, which is bitterness, and then we're going to prescribe the divine antidote. Amen? So what does it mean to be bitter towards somebody? Amen? One man said... Brother Charlie said that one man said, amen, that bitterness is you drinking the poison while you wait for the other person to die. Ooh, that's good. That's real good. Amen. Don't ask Brother Charlie who said it, but it's still good. Amen. Amen. You know, I believe bitterness is when you stretch out your hand to let the devil put his shackles on you so you can do his bidding. That's what I believe bitterness is. You know, one of the marks of spiritual insecurity is reactionary bitterness towards a wrong or an action committed against you. And I'm not merely talking about a singular moment in time. I'm not talking so much about the heat of the moment. But when you allow, amen, whatever that is in your life, amen, to continue to, to, to cause you to be um, against someone in your heart, someone against you, so then you're going to be against them. When that continues to happen and you begin to brood over it and you allow it to stir in your heart, amen, that's wrong. That's bitterness, amen. And reacting carnally in the moment is wrong as well. I'm not in any way suggesting that we shouldn't respond rightly moment by moment. But when we're talking about bitterness, amen, 
We're talking about something that's extended in time, something that continues on, amen? A spirit of unforgiveness. But you might say tonight, well, brother, you know, I get offended with people because, I mean, they offended God. I'm offended by, you know, all these, you know, sodomites and baby murderers. And, you know, I was listening to the Supreme Court arguments the other day and just, just listening to these people. You'd think that, that getting pregnant was like, you know, the worst thing that could ever happen to somebody. You know, I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous to listen to this stuff. It would, and it would cause you to become angry. And I believe that's right, amen. We are to be angry at what God is angry with. But we have to be careful that we don't get jaded in our spirit and allow something within us that's personal to rise up. Amen. Am I offended for God? Or am I offended because of me? Because that, that sinner on the street, he insulted me. Amen. When somebody's cursing you out, amen. That's, that's different than when they blaspheme God. Somebody curses me, I, I'm probably going to say, I, ble- I love you, and I'm praying for you. That's probably what I'm going to say. I might, would, you know, preach the gospel. I'm, you know, we're preaching, and, you know, things go on. We're preaching to them. Then they blaspheme God. That's different. I'm going to rebuke them sternly. Amen. But are we using God as a scapegoat to cover up our own selfishness? That's what it is. You know, when we're on the street, we have to constantly guard against the spirit of bitterness and becoming jaded. They're not attacking me. They're attacking God. We have to remember that. Or we will grow offended and we'll misrepresent Jesus. You know, the moment I take it personally is the moment I will misrepresent Christ. You know, uncrucified flesh, it cannot be a witness. It cannot minister to anyone. I mean, you cannot minister to someone you're offended with. I mean, we cannot have a godly burden for sinners who we're bitter against. Amen. Amen, Brother John, you preach into those escorts out there. If you allow any personal bitterness in your heart to grow towards those people, you're not going to be able to be a minister to, to minister under them. If I'm at LSU and somebody walks up to me and does something to me and says something to me and is nasty to me, and I allow something within me to get aggravated and to, to lash out, amen, I'm going to misrepresent Christ. I'm not going to be able to say anything to them of any eternal value. We cannot evangelize a world that we are bitter against. And we cannot have revival in the church when we refuse to let go of personal perceived slights amongst the body of Christ. And you know, some people, they don't need to forgive because they haven't been wronged. But they, can, they hold a grudge or an offense towards someone because that someone's done something they don't like. Or for example, maybe the pastor's preached something that, that hits you really hard. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. But you still, you allow that bitterness and that, that grudge to build. and You refuse to talk to him about it. You refuse to receive it. But even in this case, the spirit is still that of unforgiveness because you perceive that you've been wrong. You perceive that you've been slighted. So that unforgiveness is still there. So really, you know, forgiveness is such a key to being at peace and having liberty because regardless of what that person does, whether they were wrong or not, I can forgive them and walk in liberty. So you see how liberating that is, amen? A spirit of forgiveness. But you might ask tonight, well, what about disappointed expectations? Because, you know, we all have times where we're disappointed in folks, you know? Amen. We do, right? If you're honest, you'd say you will, you agree with me, amen? You know, Winston Churchill said, made this statement. He said, my tastes are very simple. I'm easily satisfied with the very best. Amen. Isn't that nice? It's really convenient, isn't it? Amen. You know, if, if everybody just did what we wanted them to do and the world revolved around us, well, then we would never be tempted to be unforgiving or bitter or 
But that's not how it works. Amen. I'm not saying it's wrong to be disappointed, especially when your expectations are godly. But it's always wrong to allow your disappointments to cause you to have a bad spirit. Amen. And that separates you from God and to lose your peace and your joy in Jesus. You know, we better have the mentality that anything I get is better than I deserve. You have that mentality, friend. It will free you. It'll cause you to walk in liberty. Oh, but people, they have disappointed expectations. Husbands and wives. Amen. They, they, they have disappointed expectations. People in the church. I expected better of them. I, I, you know, I've seen people here. I mean, I expected better of them as well. I'm sure some of you have expected better of me at times. Amen. We all have expectations. Sometimes that's a good thing. But I don't have a right, amen, to let my disappointed expectations cause me to become bitter towards someone in the church. I don't have that privilege. I don't have that right, amen. I'm not saying we don't hold others accountable. I'm not saying we don't rebuke sin. I'm not saying that sometimes, amen, we're going to have to separate from people. I'm not saying we have to like everything that everybody's doing or everybody's personality, amen. You understand what I'm saying. But I do have to love them. I do have to love them. And if I love them, amen, then I believe as time goes on, amen, God will put a light for, for them in my heart, amen. Oh, you got people, well, I don't have to like that person. but I, I love them, but I don't have to like them, so I'm not going to like them. Well, that's not a right spirit. It's not a right spirit at all. You have to wish their highest good. And that's really what you're called to do, amen. There's people I don't get along with. There's a man that, you know, some of you know, he fired me this year. We don't really talk. We, don't get a, we, we stay far away from each other, amen? But I love that man. I desire his highest good. I pray for him all the time, that God would bless him, bring him to repentance, amen? But, you know, a lot of our expectations are unreasonable. Life is not fair, amen? Young people, marriage is not the end, you know, thing in all of life, you know? Money doesn't grow on trees, amen? Isn't that disappointing? Holiness is more important than happiness. That shouldn't be disappointing. But a lot of times people esteem their happiness above holiness, and so they're disappointed. Whom the Lord loves, he rebukes and chastens. Sometimes that can be disappointing, but you have to receive it. Amen. You know, many people fall out of the way because their expectation wasn't met, and they didn't get what they wanted. Amen. Jesus didn't say he'd give you what you want. But he did say he'd give you everything that you have need of for life and godliness. Amen. And if you want anything more than Jesus, then you better prepare to be disappointed because you're not going to get it if you're going to be a Christian. Amen. If you want anything more than Jesus, anything outside of Jesus, you will fall away. It's going to happen. You can mark it down. You know, everybody wants a resurrection expectation, but very few have a crucifixion expectation. Amen. I want to remind you tonight, Christianity is an invitation to die. Amen. Jesus didn't come to you and say, it's going to be your best life now. Amen. He said, come after me and take up your cross and follow after me. Amen. Your dreams, your plans, your ambitions, what you thought was going to be the way it was. Amen. Every bit of it has to be nailed to the cross if you're going to follow Jesus Christ. People want the blessings of Jesus, but very few want the Christ of the blessings. And they wind up with neither. Yeah, if you'd gain your life, you must lose it. And if you're not, and, if, and the thing is this, friend, once you lose your life, you can't be bitter anymore. You're dead. Dead man's not bitter. 
People take their bitterness to the grave sometimes, but once they're dead, they're no longer bitter. They're dead. Amen. If Christ lives in you, then he will not respond towards disappointed expectations with an offended, wounded, bitter spirit. Amen. And I can't stress enough tonight that this only takes place as you spend time with Jesus. You cannot. You're not going to be able to help but be bitter and offended and and, you know, hold a grudge and have all kind of spite. If you're not spending time with Jesus, it's going to happen. That's why it's important, amen, to establish a prayer life, amen, to spend time with Jesus and that, that, that fragrance, amen, that communion with God, walking with Him and talking with Him, fellowshipping with Him. And if you are in Jesus, you're not going to be able to help but forgive and to love and to walk in love. So tonight, how do we receive and partake of the divine antidote for bitterness, which is forgiveness? I mean, first of all, we have to see and know as a reality the sovereignty of God. That's number one right there. And we see this demonstrated in the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50. Amen. His brothers came to him because they were terrified. They were scared to death. Jacob had just passed away, and they thought Joseph was just doing this for his father's sake. So they're scared to death, and they come to Joseph, and they say, We beseech you, Joseph, please, please don't kill us. Please have mercy upon us. We were stupid. We shouldn't have done what we did. Please forgive us. And Joseph's response was this. He said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. See, he's, he's responding right. He sees the bigger picture. He sees God in control over this all. And when we see God above every situation and every person's actions, we're not going to allow bitterness and resentment to build up within our heart. Amen. And if we tr- as we trust his sovereignty and bringing things to pass, amen, we will have the peace of God within us. You know, God is always trying to teach us. Amen. When you became a Christian, you enrolled in the school of Christ. Amen. Bush University, as Brother Charlie likes to say. Amen. And that never ends. Even when we get to heaven, we're going to be learning of Christ. Amen. So you enrolled in this school, and God's going to allow circumstances and dumb people in your life to teach you about the character of Christ. And if you don't believe that, you're going to get very discouraged. But it's the truth. You can believe it. You can walk by faith. You know, if you cannot see God above it all, above that person, above that situation, above that circumstance, you're going to grow bitter. You will fail to understand what is really taking place. And that's the thing. Bitterness is always directed towards God. Every time you think, well, I'm bitter against that person. No, you're not. You're bitter against God. God put that person in your life. The sovereignty of God placed you with that person right here for such a time as this. And you grow bitter against that, then you're growing bitter against God. And that's why no one has a right to be bitter, because God is holy and righteous and desires your highest good. That's why he puts you with that dumb person. Amen? You know, that's what will keep you. That's what will keep you, to see God. And if you don't see God, you won't be kept. But if you can see God above it all, amen, that will keep you. Next, to receive this divine antidote 
you must be forgiven by God and walk in the divine revelation of what that means. You know, while I don't believe we can consider them equally, the foundation of our forgiveness, you know, towards someone else is our own forgiveness that God has granted unto us. We forgive because God forgave, amen. And God forgave because it's his nature to justly do so. So, I, you know, you say, well, brother, what about a sinner? Can a sinner forgive? I do believe a sinner can forgive to a limited degree. Amen. But they don't understand the depth of what it really means. And even their righteousness, the Bible says, is filthy rags. So their motives are tainted and wrong. But we as Christians, amen, we can go much deeper in our forgiveness. We can express the heart of God. So when a sinner forgives, they just, they're born from God, just like an atheist. When an atheist uses rationality, which comes from God, to reason against God, they're borrowing from God, amen? They're blowing themselves up. They're working in a vicious circle, amen? And it's the same way with forgiveness. When a sinner forgives, they're acknowledging the God of the Bible every single time because forgiveness is a Christian concept. If there was no God, amen, it would just be a dog-eat-dog world. And if you've ever had dogs, they're not, they don't forgive. They, keep, they, carry, they hold on to their grudges, at least the ones we have, amen? They don't forget. Amen. But we're not just dogs, and we're not to live like dogs. Amen. We're to live as Christians, and we are to forgive. If you understand how much God forgave you, how can you not forgive people that wrong you? You know, there's no greater crime than the crime of crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ. That was my crime, and that was your crime. My sin is what put him on that cross. And yet the Father has forgiven me through his Son. How can I not, how dare I not forgive people that wrong me? I mean, what could, you know, you say, well, brother, I mean, I've been sinned against so terribly. It's been awful what they've done to me. No one sinned against you as much as you sinned against God. And yet God forgave you. God laid down his life for you in spite of all that. So how could you hold on to that trifle of unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart? Amen. God's forgiveness is conditional because he is holy. Amen. Our our forgiveness is unconditional. And that's precisely because we are not God. Amen. He is God. Amen. So therefore, he has the right to put conditions upon that. His holiness and his justice, all of his attributes work together in harmony. Amen. To put those conditions upon us. Amen. But the fact that he would offer it at all is unspeakable. It's unbelievable. It's undeserving. Amen. And it ought to humble us and bring us to the place where nothing that anyone does against us, amen, is worth holding on to a grudge for. You think about it. He extends his forgiveness even to those that mock him, even to those that spit in his face, even those that reject him. Amen. He extends that forgiveness to them. But yet one person does a little something to us, and we're, we automatically, we just, we're going to hold a grudge against that person. Amen. That's arrogant. It's proud. You know, when we see this, we will see that to harbor unforgiveness is to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. It's idolatry. It's really, we're, we're putting ourselves in the place of God where we can decide how things are going to be. How can we manifest bitterness if we have seen the depth of God's forgiveness to us? The truth is we cannot. We cannot. This leads to our next point. We must consider our example, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. No one in history 
was more wronged than Christ. No one. I mean, I'm sure if we were to, to, to poll you here tonight and I was to ask several you know, people and line you up and you come testify, tell me everything that somebody that, that all in your life that people have done you wrong. I'm sure we could stay here for the next week listening to stories. And I'm sure a lot of it was terrible. A lot of it was bad. But none of it, none of it was more than what we did to Jesus Christ. What they did to Jesus Christ. And what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, unforgiveness is unchristlike. Unforgiveness is unchristlike. So if you want to be like Jesus, you must forgive. It's as simple as that. He was meek, amen? Weakness is not meekness, and meekness is not weakness, amen? I know that's um, not a definition, praise God. So we want to know what it is, not what it is, amen? So what is meekness, amen? Well, Jesus said, I am meek and lowly, but is just lowliness alone a sufficient definition? Not as a standalone, amen. We had to define loneliness because, I mean, the homeless guy is lowly as well, amen. But so what does that mean when Jesus said to be meek and lowly, amen? I believe it simply means this. It represents the strength to rise above ourselves and exhibit the higher moral character of Christ to everyone around us, irrelevant of their actions towards us. Mr. Finney defined it as properly and strictly forbearance under injurious treatment. This certainly is an attribute of God as our existence and our being out of hell plainly demonstrate, he said. But you say, brother, they, I mean, they irritated me deliberately. Come on. Everything you're talking about here tonight is just, you know, it isn't that. No, I'm talking about that too. You say, well, they, they tried to hurt me purposely. It's mal- they maliciously slandered me. They cursed me out, brother. They called me up on the phone and they cursed me out. They killed Jesus. No one that was more disappointed by humanity than the Lord Jesus Christ. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. They rejected him. If Jesus refused to hold a personal grudge against his own executioners, then who do we think we are to hold a personal grudge against people that disappoint us? Amen. Let us consider Christ, our example. Next, we must refuse to be led by our feelings, but rather we must choose to walk in love. You know, bitterness in reality, it's hatred. You have bitterness in your heart towards someone, you have hatred in your heart towards someone. You cannot be a Christian and do that. And you have chosen to do that. I want want to make that very plain tonight. I believe the Holy Ghost wants to make that very plain tonight. You can help it. You can choose the Lord Jesus Christ. You can choose to forgive. You say, but brother, I I just don't feel like forgiving. I feel like, you know, strangling the person. That doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. Who cares? You can choose by the grace of God, in spite of what you feel, to forgive. Because forgiveness is not a feeling. You know, there's nothing more powerful in the entire world than when hatred is confronted by the love of Christ. Nothing more powerful. Nothing can overcome that. Nothing can stand against that. There's, and there's nothing more empowering and strengthening than when you're mistreated and abused by somebody and you feel like doing something terrible to them, but you rise up in the power of the Holy Ghost and you choose to love them. You want to talk about good feelings? Try it. 
Do it, amen. Obey it. You say, but brother, I, I just, I don't, I'm bound by it, brother. I'm bound by this bitterness. I just can't seem to get free of it. Amen. Choose to forgive. Choose to let Jesus be the Lord of your life. That's what we preach to them on the street. Apply it to yourself. Apply it to your own heart. Amen. My attitude and my disposition has to be governed by the love of Christ. Amen. And you can be delivered from your bitterness tonight. You don't have to be bitter towards anyone. Amen. If you're holding on to it, amen, and you refuse to let it go, no, it's holding on to you as you hold on to it. But the moment, the moment you let it go, amen, you will be free. You will be free. And that's when the feelings come, amen. It always follows, amen. You know, people want to, you know, follow their feelings. But in reality, you need to lead your feelings to the cross, amen. And we're commanded to forgive. As a Christian, we're not given the, the, the multiple choice test, you know. You can kill this person. <laughs> you can not kill this person, just don't like him and just be mean to him. You can, you know, just kind of leave it, you know, just leave him alone, but don't, don't really have the love of Christ in your heart. Or you can love him and forgive him. It's not the way it works. Jesus said forgive. That's it. Forgive. And if he commands you, he enables you to do so. Amen? You know, Corey Tinboom said, Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. And if anybody would know that, it would be her. Amen? She was a, a woman, I don't know, some of you I'm sure are familiar with her. But she, she lived in Holland with her, her family, her sister and her father, and they had a, a watch shop. And they were, you know, I, I think she was maybe in her 60s, and, you know, she had lived a great life. And really, if you think about it, if she would just been set back, you know, 40 or 50 years, she would have avoided all the trouble that was going to come upon them. But she was living during that time, and the Nazis came in to her homeland of Holland, and they took the place over. They overrun the country, and they, they began to impose their draconian and tyrannical measures upon the society. And, you know, they were, of course, you know, if you've heard the stories, they took in the Jews because the Nazis were adamantly against the Jews, trying to kill the Jews. And so this family, the Tin Boom family, took in the Jews to their home and hid the Jews. And eventually it called up to them, the Nazis called them, and they took her and her sister and her father away. Her father died pretty quickly in prison, but her and her sister were brought to a concentration camp. I believe it was called Ravensbrück. And it was a terrible and an awful experience. And, you know, you can read the book. I'm not going to tell you everything that went on there. But it was horrible. It was humiliating. It was torturous. It was awful, as you can imagine. The guards there were brutal monsters and treated them like animals. And it, they, they just, it was horrible. And her sister succumbed to the, you know, oppression and the, the misery there and, and passed away. And her sister always maintained a right spirit. Her sister was always had a spirit of forgiveness. But Corey Ten Boom struggled with it at times while she was there. Well, through the providence of God, she was released from that concentration camp. And after the war, she went back to Holland, to her home country, to tell Holland about the forgiveness that was in Christ. That was her message. And she said one day she was in a church, and she was speaking on this subject, and she spoke about the forgiveness of Christ. And, you know, this was, I think, 1947, so it was only two years after the war had ended. And 
The country was ravaged, and it was just a terrible scene, but she was speaking of the forgiveness that was in Christ. And she said she saw at the end of the service, she's shaking people's hands, and she saw this man begin to walk up to her. And immediately she knew who that man was. It was a guard from that concentration camp, a guard that she knew that had brutally treated her and her sister. And immediately she could see you know, him with his leather whip in, her, in his hand, not that he had it in the, in the church, but she was remembering back to what this man had done to them. And here he came, and he walked up to her, and he stretched out his hand. He said, Miss Timboom, I, I enjoyed your, your message tonight, and I, um, I was a guard in the concentration camp that you lived in. And, uh, but since then, I've become a Christian. Jesus has forgiven me. Will you forgive me? Hmm. And she said, she, she said, I, you know, I talked about forgiveness. I knew all about it. But she said, in that moment, it was real. And then I, she didn't feel like forgiving that man at all. Nothing within her wanted to stretch out her hand to that man and forgive him. As far as, you know, feelings. Every emotion said otherwise. Amen. But she chose. She said, I really, I didn't have a choice. That's what she said. Those were her words. I didn't have a choice. I reached out my hand and I said, sir, I forgive you. And she said, the moment, the moment I chose to do that, she said it was exhilarating. She said, I truly did. That's when the feelings came. And that's how it works, amen. It may not be as intense, you know, of a situation as that, amen. But day in and day out, as we choose to do the will of God, as we choose to forgive people around us, amen, that's when the feelings will come. Amen. That doesn't mean that you're never going to have feelings of bitterness that will try to come back. Amen. Amen. It's a day-by-day experience where you have to walk with Jesus. You have to constantly be putting it on the altar, putting it before God. Amen. So those feelings may come back, but if they come back and you've already determined in your heart to forgive them, it'll just be a feeling. And you can take that into captivity to the Lord Jesus Christ instead of letting that feeling take you into captivity. It can be overcome by your choice. You know, if you're waiting on God to give you pleasant thoughts towards someone before you forgive them, you're a rebel. You're a rebel, and you're an idolater because you're commanded to forgive regardless. I mean, that's just that's the truth. That's the truth of the matter. You say, I'm not ready to forgive someone. You know, I need to heal first. You're never going to be healed. Till you choose to forgive. Healing starts when you choose to let go. Amen. And if you're not ready to forgive someone, you're not ready to be a Christian. That, that's, you know, really the bottom line. You know, the grace of God is there. The man with the withered hand, Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. I, he couldn't stretch forth his hand, except that the grace of God was there. And as he chose to obey, the grace was activated so that he could do it. And the same applies to forgiveness. As you choose to do it, God will give you the grace to do it. And lastly, to receive this antidote of forgiveness, we must forgive from the heart. Amen. It must touch who we are. You know how many times you've seen children, and, and it's right to do this. You have children. They do something wrong. They're, they're, they're fighting over a toy or something. You tell them, give it back, and then you say, say, I forgive you, and they say, I forgive you. But they're not really from the heart saying it. And they're just saying it because they're told to say it. And it's right. It's right for them to be told to say it. Amen. But us, we have to say it from the heart. We have to really mean it. 
You know, Clara Barton, the founder of the American Red Cross, was once asked about a woman that had talked bad about her. They asked her, she said, don't you remember the mean things that that woman said about you? And her reply was this, I not only do not remember, but I distinctly remember forgetting. See, forgiveness properly exercised, it's done in a moment of time, but it's demonstrated in moments of extended time. It's not enough to say, I forgive someone. You must demonstrate forgiveness towards that person and then walk in that forgiveness by choosing to remain in that posture of heart. What did Jesus say? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. If you love them, you're going to bless them. If you bless them, you won't be able to help but do good to them. And if you do good to them, you will desire their highest good, and you will therefore pray for them to that end. And that's just your enemies. Isn't that wonderful? How about your brothers and sisters? How much more so? You say, but brother, that's harder. That's so much harder. I mean, I, I, you know, I can forgive, you know, the person on the street because I expect them to act like devils. But somebody in the church, brother, that's just so much harder. I expect more. Well, sure, but God expects better of you. As Brother Britt told me years ago, if you don't like carnality, don't compound carnality. Amen. Don't add, you know, add to carnality. Amen. Don't forget how many times better was expected of you, and yet you were forgiven both by God and others. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Amen. That's what Jesus said. That can be misapplied by all kind of people, but it's still the truth. Forms of forgiveness is to sincerely and with goodwill give that person or that situation to God and ask God to bless them. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not willing to forgive. If you're not willing to go to an altar, go to a place before God and say, God, I'm giving this situation to you. I'm giving this person to you. I'm laying it down. I'm letting go of my personal offense, my personal grudge. If you're not willing to do that, you're not willing to forgive. Amen. But if you do do that, you're not going to be able to help but forgive. Amen. It'll gush out like a geyser from that underground reservoir of the love of Christ. Amen. That's, that's just, it comes naturally when you spend time with Jesus. So if you're struggling in this area tonight, you need to cry out to God. He will help you. Amen. He will be there as your refuge and your strength if you'll cry out to him. But if you don't cry out to him, you're going to be bitter. That's just that's the way it is. So tonight in closing, I just want to give a warning and an admonition. The Bible says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So in other words, what is he saying? Repent. Repent. That's what he's saying. Change your mind about the way you've been thinking and align your mind with the, with the mind of God. You know, this is a matter of where we spend eternity. Jesus said, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Unforgiveness is sin. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. If you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart tonight, or you're being tempted to harbor unforgiveness in your heart, just know it's as, it's as wicked as murder, as fornication, as sodomy, as abortion. You say, brother, that just doesn't seem that wicked. Well, God said, God said it's sin. God said it's wicked. It'll send you to a devil's hell. What did Jesus say? He said his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you 
if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Just want to warn you tonight. Amen. This isn't some optional thing. This isn't just, you know, the, the higher Christian life would be to forgive. No. No. That's bare minimum. It's just basic. You must forgive. Whether it was a wrong, whether it's perceived as a wrong, whatever it is, whatever the situation is, you must forgive. And if you do, your Father will forgive you. If you don't, your Father will not forgive you. Amen. Let's stand tonight. You know, examine your heart tonight. Consider, you know, within you. Because, you know, that's the thing about deception. You walk in deception, and, and as time goes on, you, you have a conscience, you are accountable, you're culpable, but self-deception will begin to deceive you into thinking that, well, it's not really that bad. And really, it's not, you know, you'll begin to redefine things. But I urge you tonight, can, can make a place to pray, you know, just seek God. Come to these altars and ask God to, to just show you your, your own heart. Amen. To show you what's there. And He will show you. And if there's bitterness in your heart, just repent. Just repent. Say, God, I, I'm, I'm through with that. I surrender. I'm giving it to you. Amen. Find a place to pray.